You're listening to Honest Participants Only, a Dream Days Experience podcast. Hi guys, welcome back to Honest Participants Only. On the podcast this week, I'm speaking to Rihanna Milne. She's a certified global life and love coach. She's also a certified clinical trauma f- professional. I'm getting tongue- tongue-tied, Rihanna. I'm so sorry. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, Shay. Hello. Hello, everyone. <gasps> Hi. I'm sure you can say that in a better way than I can. Can you tell us what you do? Sure. Um, yes, I've been a licensed mental health counselor for 20 years. I'm a certified clinical trauma professional and an addictions professional, a student assistance counselor where I worked in schools with kids in crises from kindergarten all the way through college. I'm a number one best-selling author of my book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve and Live Beyond Your Dreams from Fear and Doubt. To personal power, purpose, and success, and they are meant to go together. One's about mind, one's about love, and um, I'm a mom and a grandmom, so <laughs> those are a few things about me. Excellent. Do you know what? I knew you'd be able to say it better than I could. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great. Thank you. So uh, what I want to get into first is I would love for you to tell me a little bit. I know you've kind of given me the overview. So that's your elevator pitch about who Rihanna is. But I would love for you to give me an overview of your personal story. How did you get to this point? Who are you? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, it's a long story. So I'll try to give you the short version. (laughs) Um, As a younger woman, I married my college sweetheart. And um, that's kind of what we did back in the day. And uh, it didn't go so well. Um, He ended up, he and his father borrowed a large sum of money from my mother, 200,000, and I decided to divorce. I had two little girls, I was 26 years old. And by then he also um, had our business in a bankruptcy of three quarters of a million dollars. So 26, it was very overwhelming, but I thought I would be better off on my own than staying in this toxic marriage. And it took me about 18 years to pay my mother back the debt because it was the right thing to do. Um, So my journey wasn't an easy one, but the mindset for success saved me (laughs) during my Mm -hmm. 20s. And I opened up a model and talent school and agency with my first month's rent and a lot of prayers. And within six months, um, it won an educational award. And then it went on to win a model and talent school of the year at the International Model and Talent Association Convention. So it was a business I loved for 10 years. And it was commercial, real people. And then I went on my life and helped raise my girls. And um, I was basically mother, father. Um, the same gentleman came after me for child support. So I was doing um, a lot to make sure my girls were going to be raised independent and strong and smart and taught them the mindset for success, the same I teach my clients today. And um, then I went on and had another marriage. And this gentleman, I thought, wow, I got this right. Uh, principal of a middle school introduced by the school superintendent who I knew through business associations and I was really in love and I thought this is great we're gonna have a wonderful retirement we traveled the world we were so in love we had three marriage ceremonies one in Paris one in Cancun and one in for our family in Atlantic City New Jersey and we had two kids amongst us so the four kids stood up for us and 
great celebration. And five months into the marriage, um, there was a knock on my door at the school and he should have been in his school at the time. I said, why are you not in your school? This was after Christmas vacation. Well, he was banned from entering the school and there was porn found on his computer and <gasps> other things. So yes, all of a sudden my idyllic life uh, totally changed. And I'm there. Have they made you know. a TV show about you? Because this sounds like TV. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, so, you know, I mean, not only was I devastated emotionally, but my business suffered. I am also an interfaith minister. I did weddings. I was a marriage and family therapist. So how did I end up with this partner that had a totally secret life and ruined our life and ran out of town in shame and left, left me to clean up the mess? So the first thing I did was empowered myself to stand up as my own attorney and fought for an annulment in court. And I was able to get it. And in the U.S., that's a very rare thing, which I didn't know. I was just like, I have to annul this and get out and um, pick up myself and my life and my business. And that's what I did. Um, so I wasn't, he's, the judge said, Ms. Milne, in 32 years of being a family court judge, I've only granted one annulment and then slams the gavel. And he goes, and yours is the second. Mm -hmm. um, you seem like a great lady. You know, good luck to you. And then the next thing I needed to do was figure out why am I attracting men like this? And the childhood trauma, which is now my specialty area, was not taught to me. I have a triple master's in applied clinical and counseling psychology, and most therapists don't have training in this area. Um, it's becoming more and more prevalent. This condition is now coming out of the closet, so to speak. Um, but I went to seven psychotherapy friends and said, what is going on? Did you see anything strange in him? Did you notice anything? Everyone was as shocked as I was. Right. Um, so this is what started my journey into research. And I knew he was ACOA, which is adult child of an alcoholic. And, but I didn't realize all his other traumas would be leading to his personality deficits mm -hmm. and the fact that you know he was a toxic partner. So I had to become more aware and my education helped my healing and even more importantly, it helped my ability to forgive. And noticed that um, I developed a childhood trauma checklist in 2012 because I noticed my students in the schools that I was working with came from homes of trauma. I was working in a hospital setting for adolescents. They came from childhood trauma. These, these kids were suicidal, using drugs and alcohol, uh, cutting. You know, there was risky behavior. They might have been from the foster care system or adoption. So I kind of made a list of everything I was seeing. I also was working in drug and alcohol centers. One was an adolescent center. One was with women from drug court. They ended up in jail and they were able to go to rehab. Um, but they were there due to their risky behavior. So all the people that I worked with over these years, I did the correlations and put down the top 10 childhood traumas. And from there, I made the correlations of what's coming out as an adult in life and love and business from what their experiences that they had when they were innocent children. Mm -hmm. And my second ex-husband had nine out of the 10 traumas. And very much uh, those that had severe traumas, nine or 10, are sociopath and psychopath. The sociopath is someone that will never apologize. 
They use people for pleasure or profit or to try to get ahead in life. They have no remorse over the activities they do that hurt another. So that's a sociopath and a psychopath is a sociopath who kills. So Mm -hmm. they are always at the high end of the scale. Then I also do a severity level of one to 10. Of course, nine, 10 is is the top of this, this chart with the most Mm -hmm. severe and one or two are, you know, lighter. So that's how I got into my work. (laughs) Wow. I mean, should we just forget the rest of the interview and talk about this? Let's do a deep dive. No, no, no. I mean, the rest is the most important part. Of what course. did I discover, right? Yes. Well, this is it. So, so even from your story there, I've come up, I've, I've, I've been noting things down as you were speaking, because there are two things first I want to mention. First of all, your character. Because mm-hmm. you're talking obviously about childhood trauma and, and the things that happen when we are innocent yeah. Yeah, that then right. kind of impact our later life and that kind of thing. But the fact that you, because I know loads of 26 year olds, I work with youth a lot at the moment. I, I mm-hmm. always have, in fact, and you know, I class myself as forever young. So, <laughs> uh-huh. um, but there are, but the age of 26 for you to, have divorced someone who you know was just not trustworthy or whatever and just really let you down and disappointed you to have two young girls to be doing everything you were doing and to choose and I I use the word choose intentionally I think to choose to pay your mum back because it was the right thing to do you know that that's about character surely that's about who you already are that's not a choice you're actually making to go right I can pay about so I will. Yeah, yeah, it was integrity. And it was very hard because, you know, I'm trying to support my daughters and myself with yeah. no help and, um, you know, also do the right thing by her. So many times throughout my life, I had five jobs going at one time, working 80 wow. hour weeks. You know, if I bought and sold a house, all the profits went immediately to her. Um, so it was a very difficult adult life, but I learned a lot along the way and, uh, it's okay because if you can take your pain and make it your passion and your purpose, then it all meant something, right? Spiritually. Yeah, Yeah. well, absolutely. But then also, cause you've, you've even just touched on something that also goes to your character, in my opinion, the fact that you started this uh, model and talent agency, the fact that you it seemed like what you were determined to do and the path your life was taking were two separate things, but one was not going to impact the other. You were going to do the best for yourself and your children, no matter what. Yeah. Shay, there was no time to play the victim, to feel sorry for myself. You know, I had bills coming in. I had two little girls to support. Um, so what I have always learned, what can I do, not what can't I do? So it's this mindset for success that I write about in the live book that got me through my twenties, got me re-empowered to do something I could do. And I also love that business. I really enjoyed it. Many of those models, actors, singers, dancers are on my Facebook today. Yeah. I have one girl I had at six years old. She's now 36 with a couple of kids. So, Aww. you know, it's nice to see them grow and become wonderful adults and still be in touch. Um, so, you know, very often our human condition, people will go to the dark side of thinking, the negative thinking, like, why me? You know, this is not fair. They're depressed. They get a high anxiety. And that can really spiral you down into a dark 
tunnel mm-hmm. and the mindset for success. If you have it, no matter what comes your way, you're going to find the good from the bad and keep moving forward. Yes. Do you think that you've passed that kind of mindset onto your children? Yes, definitely. I taught them when they were young. <laughs> my yeah. one daughter, my 36 year old, her name's Alexi Panos and she is a global coach and wow. she is the top 11 women entrepreneurs in Forbes magazine, Inc. magazine, won the millennial mentor award, um, does extremely well in her career. She's now a mom of my 18 month old grandson Kingston and has twins coming (laughs) a little boy and a girl. (laughs) Yeah. So, but her career is outstanding. And so is my other daughter uh, who's 37, Stefana. And she, you know, became a supervisor for JetBlue for 11 years, um, worked for a top restaurant entrepreneur, Randy Gerber, Uh, who's Cindy Crawford's husband, uh, doing inventory for 11 restaurants in her early 20s. So it's they set their mindset to something, like they want that job or they're going to do this career. And I taught them basically to invent it out of nothing. Like none of us have gone for bank loans to start our businesses, right? It's uh, having the dream and, and having the fortitude to move forward with the creative, positive mind and create the career direction that you want. Yeah. So obviously the fact that you are, I mean, anyone can say they're successful at doing what they do, but the fact that your children have also, they kind of co-sign what you do, don't they? Because you've practiced it in your own life and these are the results, which, you know, we don't want to use your children as examples as test streams, but actually no better way for us to to examine our impact and our capacity for helping others to live in that mindset than your own children. Right, right. It's important that parents know that what they do models the behavior for their kids. It's really important for them to understand that. And even though the studies show 90% of us have had some childhood trauma, one to three on the list of 10, um, no matter what you grew up with, you can model different behavior. And, you know, I went back when I learned this information, learned I I had some childhood traumas. And due to that, I attracted this type of man into my life, Mm -hmm. right? So um, it's about awareness and then changing the patterns. And the studies show childhood trauma goes through at least three generations. Um, So it's up to us to stop the generational pull that could go down to our children. And, you know, I mean, my children were in their father's life. They could have taken on his personality type or mine or become irresponsible or responsible, you know, so they, they had the choice to choose, but luckily, you know, they chose the right path, (laughs) you know. I I love that so much. Before I ask you about why you you specialize in supporting childhood trauma. I just wanted to also say, because I know you probably have heard the term about sins of the father and passing those down. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just think this is such a beautiful and positive example of the opposite of that, passing down positivity and hard work and not necessarily that things are going to be easy. And and just because you set your mind to something that is just going to to manifest and be there. But I think this is a great example of let's work at it anyway. Let's get it done. You know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely love that. Okay. So I did want to ask you why specialize in supporting those with childhood trauma? There are so many things to be coaching about the, the, the well is deep. What made you kind of go in this direction? 
Well, I do um, help those heal from childhood and love trauma. So what I had was a love trauma. Okay. And I had to go back to the source. You know, why am I attracting the people I am? Uh, Why did he act so out of character? I mean, what he led on, we call this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. If you know the movie, Dr. Jekyll is very charming and loved and successful and popular and handsome and everyone loved him. Mr. Hyde is a hidden personality type. And in the movie, that man went out at night and raped and killed women, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why I call it the same thing. He had this hidden personality that he hid from everybody. And then when it was exposed, his world and my world, because I was attached to him, fell apart. And Mm -hmm. I had to rebuild myself. But, um, you know, it makes you wonder why. But, you know, people who are on the other side of it, like myself and most of my clients, are on the other side of this personality type. And they're left very traumatized when this happens to them, when they're living in integrity and doing all the right things and working hard and setting up the future for the couple. And then the other one's totally doing something um, out of integrity and lying and cheating. And, you know, and when you find this out, it's very devastating. So the reason I want to do it is because I knew where I was. And um, it's one of those frustration feelings. You don't know what you don't know. Like, how could this have happened? Why did I not see this? How could he have done this? And when I had seven therapist friends that I went to and nobody could give me the answers. Because I was going to ask you about that. Yes. This is when I knew, you know, therapists, including me, did not learn this in school. So nobody could really give me the answers or support or the, you know, the whys. And I needed to find that out. So because I know so many other women, you know, uh, this occurs to like me. Now I do help men and I yeah. do help both straight and LGBT populations. So childhood trauma happens to everyone with yes. no prejudice. And so can love trauma because I've had men on the other side of this, you know, my gay and lesbian clients, the same thing. So, um, you know, it's just when they come to me, they, they have been devastated. They are traumatized. They can't get it out of their minds. I was re- talking to someone last night, as a matter of fact, in a parking lot who found out what I did. And she goes into how for three years she's been suffering because her husband lied about money and properties and cheated and told the sons he's going to go cheat with a 23-year-old. I mean, things like this that you know, you're like, and she's there, how could I have not seen it? You know, and, mm-hmm. and she, it's three years later and she's still devastated. And I said, you had PTSD, post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress disorder. You had love trauma. And this is not in the DSM-5, which is the manual for therapists, but it should be. <laughs> and, you know, because it's real and the people suffering with this, you know, they can't get it out of their, their soul, their psyche. They keep ruminating on the thoughts and how could I? And what did I miss, you know, and could I change things? It's very difficult because when it usually happens, they're still in love. And then there's a jolt of this finding out period. And then you're just, you've got that, I love him, I hate him feeling, you know, how could he ruin us and me and then do this? And, you know, I thought we were great, you know, so it's it's a very devastating effect on the person that it occurs to. And I, 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 well, just hearing you speak, obviously, and it doesn't always, it's not always the case, but childhood trauma 
and love trauma actually go hand in hand, don't they? Yes, they do. Um, and if you'd like, I'll go over what the 10 traumas are so people can kind oh, absolutely. of put that story together. Like, what do you mean childhood trauma? Most people would say, and even me, my childhood was pretty normal. I might have had a couple bumps in the road. And then I go over the list and they're like, oh, wow, I do have some of these. Because that's yeah. what happened to me during my research. I could see it in him. And I didn't see it in myself until I narrowed them down through this all. This is brilliant because it was one of the questions I wanted to ask you because you were, before, earlier on, you were talking about markers and I wanted to say, so is there a formula and is there a way that, is there a way that even I can see if I'm the toxic person yes. in the relationship? So yeah, please do. Okay. So again, the research shows uh, 90% of people have at least one to three of the 10. Uh, we kind of have a little joke. The other 10 are sociopath and never will say anything's wrong about them. You know? yes. So um, as I tell the list, I do suggest the uh, listeners write them down because they might want to discuss this with me later. Right. Um, and they make three columns. The first one would be me. So you're looking at yourself. The mm -hmm. second one would be partner, someone you might have struggled with in the past or currently and the third one put parents and as I go through the list you can put mom dad or both right. um, and as I do this I just want to make sure that they understand that this is not about shame or blame we're not looking to blame your mom and dad at this stage of life because if you've had trauma guess what they have too yeah. Okay. And they do the best that they know how. And second, it's not about you to feel shamed, ashamed about any of this that happened because we were all just innocent little children. We grew up in the environment we did. So we're just trying to look at it as facts. Did this happen in any way? So I just want to preface that. Excellent. Okay. So the first one is, as you're a little child, did mom or dad have any addictions? Now, since I've done my checklist, I discovered the Kaiser Permanente list, which they call ACEs, A-C-E, Adverse Childhood Events. Yes. And when that list came out, I really was curious to see it. And they had maybe 60% of what I had, but missed the other 40%. And I thought that was really interesting. Now, I'm a drug and alcohol addictions counselor. So they had, if your mom used drugs or alcohol. Now, as an addiction specialist, I name 11 of them. So it's drugs, alcohol, sex, meaning your, your parent was a chronic cheater, right. porn, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, uh, workaholism. So right. any of those 11 could have impacted you or your family. Second one is verbal. Um, now they talk about watching mom and dads and verbal altercations, domestic violence. I add more based on all the kids I've worked with. So verbal um, abuse could be never hearing I love you, not getting compliments, not hearing I'm proud of you. Um, if they're mad at you, they shut down. They don't speak to you for a couple of hours or a couple of days. You could have heard like, you'll amount to no good, or your yes. opinion doesn't matter. Things that leave the person feeling unworthy or mm -hmm. not good enough. Okay, that's verbal. Third one's emotional abuse and neglect. You all know most of yes. those. Um, the next one would be physical abuse if there was any kind of beatings, a rape or a molestation, and those could have happened inside or outside of the home. The next one is abandonment. And this wasn't mentioned on the Kaiser study at all. It now is 
They've come right. back years later and added it. This one was very important to the kids I saw from foster care adoption. So abandonment, I named two types, fault and no-fault abandonment. So no-fault abandonment would be if a parent happens to die early. Right. Um, if they went off to war and they're just doing their job, right, serving their country, but the child is left with this anxiety with my, will my mom or dad come home from war? Um, the other one might be like mine. My dad traveled a lot for his work. Now, we did not know that my dad was CIA and FBI. Right. My dad was like James Bond. And unfortunately, many years well, later. Well, excellent for him. Yeah. No. Yes, right. But, you know, we didn't know. And I remember as a kid asking, where's dad? When's daddy coming home? And my mom did not know, which is a form of no-fault abandonment because I, no. I felt like, where is he? But he was working to support our family, right? So we mm. call that no-fault. A fault abandonment would be if the parents never involved in the kid's life or they were married, uh, they leave the family unit, they don't show up much. Or if they say they're gonna show, they don't, or they're chronically late. Or even if they do pick the child up for a weekend visit, they kind of ignore the child. They're only watching football, or they're hanging out with a new girlfriend or their new boyfriend, and the child's in the room alone on a computer. These are fault abandonments. Right. Okay, the next one is if, uh, number six, if you were adopted, part of foster care or needed to go live with another family. Even if it was a grandmother or an aunt, your parents couldn't take care of you in their, that home or in right. a home. Okay, the next one, trauma number seven, is probably the most popular, most common, which I call personal trauma. So this is if you were bullied at school, you didn't feel part of the cool crowd. You might've been an overweight child. I was skinny and gawky and had big glasses. <laughs> then I went a modeling scholarship and, and my life changed around confidence with that. Thank God for that. Um, then I was very lucky I won that, that scholarship. Mm -hmm. uh, but just feeling different. You could have been a kid a diagnosed ADHD you know, and struggled in school unlike the other kids that seemed to be doing, you know, getting good grades easily. Um, you could have had asthma and not being able on the sports teams, just feeling different, not good enough for some reason, not fitting in. Um, trauma number eight is sibling trauma. It could be your sibling bullied you. They could have been born with a medical issue commanding more of mom's and dad's time, yeah. or even most common, you perceive them to be the golden child. So for some reason, um, your parents gave them more accolades and attention. So they might've been more pretty or handsome, more athletic, the smarter child, whatever the case may be. Trauma number nine, I brought uh, another one up. It has two parts from my later list because this one has really grown um, in, in common, being very commonplace. So the first one in number nine is family trauma. So that's if a parent's incarcerated, if you grew up with a lot of lack or poverty, you grew up in a dangerous neighborhood, you might've been part of a military family moving a lot. In the US, it's every two to four years, making right. the child the new kid in the class all the time. Uh, just remember struggling a lot as well. And then from the later list is community trauma. And this in the U.S. has gotten so bad with our school shootings, our community yeah. shootings, um, losing big areas of our communities, our cities with flood, fire, hurricane, mudslides, 
volcanoes even, you know, big um, natural disasters are part of community trauma. And of course, this is devastating for adults. Can you imagine a little child going through yeah. any of these, right? Very, very traumatic. And then the last one, number 10, is if your parents had a mental health issue. Now, uh -huh. us baby boomers, our parents really didn't go to counseling, so we have to guess on this. Yes. <laughs> the two most difficult are bipolar and borderline. Borderline is described as fast trigger anger or moods uh, coming out of nowhere. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid. They might get upset over something that would be minuscule to anybody else. Yeah. And then bipolar is manic depressive. Depression can come out as anger, checking out emotionally or extreme fatigue. And manic would be a phase where there might be a binge eating, spending, gambling spree, something like that. So those are the 10 traumas I identify. Wow, so what, what do you do with those? Once, once they've been identified, what do you do with those traumas? Okay, so then we also put a level of one to 10 on severity, right? They, I ask my clients, how bad did you feel that was? So someone that had maybe three really bad beatings in their lifetime, they say, well, they were horrible. I give that a four. And it's their perception, so that's fine. But there might be someone who's beat three times a week, right? And they say, that's yeah. a 10. So we look at the severity levels, how bad they feel that it was. So that's the second part. Then the third part, I have to dive deep into what's going on in their life now. So they may see problem areas or self-sabotaging in life, in business, in love. You know, those are the three areas I look at. Now, the Kaiser study did a beautiful job of correlating those with childhood trauma that's unhealed and early disease and illness in life. So mm -hmm. they saw diabetes, heart attacks, um, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, MS, they're even saying Alzheimer's has a correlation. That ongoing stress because trauma stays stored in the brain and the body's cells. So if people don't heal this and go through their life with high anxiety, which is the number one sign, anxiety, ongoing anxiety, uh, being stressed out easily, this keeps the body's cortisol high and keeps it in a state of fight or flight, mm -hmm. which is very hard on the body's system. Okay, so that's their study, right? So I looked at everything else. <laughs> um, and mostly around love, but also in life. And I work with a lot of people in career. So I can touch on a little bit. Let's start with love first. So jealousy and control, where does that come from? So that would definitely come from trauma number seven, not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy of your partner, maybe trauma number two, um, where you know you heard verbal things, you'll amount to, to nothing, you're no good, not hearing the words, I love you. It could be trauma number one. If your parent, let's say you're a girl and you know that your father was a cheater, right? Mm -hmm. You uncovered that. So low trust when it comes to men, that's underlying. Okay. So that's where jealousy and control can come from. And these are just small examples, right? There's many, many other examples. Um, let's talk about when women commonly have people pleasing they can't say no. They often overdo for others. This makes them angry and resentful. Um, it was used as a younger person usually to raise their self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And then this kind of behavior becomes normalized. 
So let's say I see a couple and the wife would say, I do everything for my husband and my kids. They do nothing for me. I always make them feel loved. I never feel loved. So they're burnout. They're exhausted. They often say, I lost myself. I'm no longer that fun person I used to be. So that usually comes from people pleasing. This could have originated. Here's one example. A little girl that might have had an alcoholic mom who was very difficult. So she would people please and get the siblings ready for school, make their lunches, give them their breakfast, get them to the bus stop, always doing, doing, doing in that household to make sure there was peace there, make sure her siblings were okay. So this overdoing became normalized and we just call it under the category of people pleasing. So mm-hmm. we have to you know, really re-educate that woman on better boundaries, self-care, you know, looking at her schedule and learning to say no when they usually feel so guilty about saying no. And being okay Um, with it, right? Yes. And being okay with it for sure. Um, Impulsivity. Where's that come from? That's taking risky choices uh, that could destroy the relationship or hurt your partner. That comes from having very little as a kid and almost growing up with a sense of entitlement. Like I never had this as a kid. I'm going to have what I want or the sociopath that says, we grew up poor and I want a good lifestyle. So if I marry that woman, she's making good money and I'll have the lifestyle I want. Mm. So they, you know, where's this charm and manipulation come from? Well, that could have been the same little boy growing up in a very difficult household. If he does something wrong, he gets beat or yelled at by the mom, beat by the father. So he might go into school and schmooze his lady teacher you know, be the charming little student, the the, the teacher's pet and say, wow, if I'm like this to my teacher and I can get, instead of a D, I'll get a B or a C, that works, you know, so there's reinforcement along the way. Another thing, it's so fascinating. Yeah, it's so much. And you could, Uh, you, like you said, it's not just, oh, right, I fit into, you know, trauma one, that's me. You can have six, seven, ten, three of the things on this list, and it's no wonder that type of trauma causes destructive patterns of behavior in adult life. Do you know what I mean? It's no wonder. Yeah. And then let's talk about career. Where could this come out in career? It can actually, it's like a fork in the road. It can come out really positive or it can come out really negative. So me, I had a critical um, controlling mom. I never heard the words, I loved you. Mm -hmm. Um, But she, you know, made sure her children worked hard no matter what, get good grades, you know. Um, And I asked her in my 20s, why don't you ever tell us you loved us. Well, those were words I never heard. I grew up in the Great Depression. It was all about mm. survival. So her teaching us survival and working hard skills was a way she knew how well, to show love. love. To her. Yes. That's right. See? Yeah. Um, so all of us, five siblings, work very hard. You know, uh, we usually can accomplish what we want. We have, you know, I can sit down and write a 400-page book and get it published in six months which is, you know, a pretty difficult feat from start to finish. (laughs) You know, we're able to focus on tasks for a long time. So we can find the good out of the bad, right? And and some of these skills. So it can lead us to success um, where it could sabotage us. Uh, Let's say there's somebody that wants to move on to the next level. 
um, of coaching, for example. So when I wanted to go from a standard psychotherapy office in, in Palm Beach County to global, I knew I needed help. And I wanted the best coach I could find. So I hired on um, a business coach that would teach me these skills. And she was quite expensive. I could have bought two cars for the price mm -hmm. I paid. But I do believe in coaching. I know coaching works. And, you know, I knew I had healed myself because I had no guilt around that. And normally I'd have huge guilt. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, you know, do I deserve to spend that much on myself? But it was a career that I was passionate about. So I'm able to say yes to myself. Um, but someone else might have been, oh my gosh, I want this so bad, but I can't spend that money on myself. You know, they know they need help. They won't go and get it. Yeah. And then they stay stuck. They don't get to the level they want to, or they stay in a very, uh, uh, in a job that they hate. They hate the boss. They hate the hours or driving too far, but they don't have the courage to step up and go get something else. They just deal with it. They deal with the unhappiness of it. And that lack of confidence comes from childhood trauma. So that can sabotage you in career. That might have been, you know, uh, you'll amount to no nothing. Not um, you'll not amount to nothing. They might have heard that, or um, like you know, they didn't do well in might. school. They struggled yeah. in school. It's like I can't do any better. This is all I can do, you know, because they never got the reinforcement of they can dream and do whatever they want to do, yeah. you know. So it's the messages that they're given, not only from mom and dad, but from peers at school and society and teachers and coaches think about how tough the football coaches can be or yeah. you know the dance coaches you know whatever messages you're healing hearing from people that are your mentors um can be very damaging or very positive i want to ask you a slightly you know off the beaten track question mm -hmm. because my best friend so i'm obviously in the uk and mm -hmm. my best friend, she's from the UK, but she's married to a uh, New Yorker. So she's okay. been in the States for about 12 years. She's now an NYPD police officer. Well, mm. that's, uh, NYPD police officer. Why did I say the thing twice? But she's now in <laughs> the NYPD. Yes. And, um, you know, what we found, because there's localizations as well, aren't there? Like culturally being British and being American, although there are lo there's, there's so much that com that binds us. There's mm -hmm. actually so much that obviously makes us different as well. So I say that because you mentioned career and that kind of thing. She, when she was going through the academy, she found it so difficult because the way we do things, the way we treat people, the way we approach things in the UK, for, regardless of what culture or creed you are, is so different to the way they do, even for instance, in the academy, in the NYPD. Oh, sure. And, and that's usually just, a very male-dominated yes. profession. Uh, so yes. it's like being a firefighter, uh, military. You know, yes. a lot of our women, uh, whether they're from U.S. or coming in from abroad, suffer under this male-dominated culture, yes. making us feel not good enough. Or right, and so you can up. take those. You can take those kind of. They can add to any traumas that you feel you've experienced, or they can even make you 
you know, it may be something, oh, it's just the culture, it's the, what we do here, but actually it may be something that you internalise and make it personal. And and in a way, actually, it's it's not okay, is it? It's not right, but it's the way it is at the moment. It's, and it's so, not right, unfortunately. And then people get what we call emotionally triggered. Yes. So, you know, they remember feeling, it, it, it might bother them more than others. Yes. You know, some of it might be expected, but they might go home and cry every night. I can't deal with this you know, and they, they still stick it out, but it's affecting them greatly. And if it does, that's usually going back to unhealed trauma. They are being triggered on a regular basis right. from the bullying that they might've gotten even, if, even as a child. So how would someone, and, and this is moving on from my best friend, hi Siobhan, <laughs> how would someone kind of take control of something like that? Because you're in a situation, and, and obviously we're, gonna, we're talking about relationships fundamentally, right. but you're in a situation where you don't have fundamental control. You have control of your part, but not right. of the surrounding things. So what, how can you kind of get control of those destructive patterns of behavior or the triggers? In your partner? In, I was kind of in your situation because, okay, let me give you an example. And it's, you can it's always kind of choose a, to leave, right? Yeah. You don't have to stay. So if you're feeling you're doing all the right things and your partner's doing all the wrong things, A, are they willing to get help? B, if they're not willing to get help, because they know a therapist is going to call them on their stuff, right? Yeah. So very often they don't want to go. And then you have a choice. You either stay in the toxic thing. And if you're choosing to stay, that's usually low confidence levels. You know, you can get help for yourself and then get the confidence uh, to move on to find emotionally healthy, conscious love. Yeah, you know, and that sounds, relationship. it sounds so easy and so powerful. And I, and I know that's not what you're saying. You're not saying it's easy, but it's interesting because in movies, in life, in everything, people psychologically, they, they stick it out because they think they can change someone. They think they can do the job for someone that the person should be doing for themselves. It's and very so, similar to if your partner has an addiction. Yes. I say the addiction will always come first. You can't yes. love an alcoholic enough to make them stop drinking. No, it's got to come from them. And you're always going to be either codependent, you know, trying to help them through it. If they're too drunk to go to work that next day, are you the one calling the boss and saying he's homesick when yes. he's really just hung over? Well, now you're into a codependent relationship. Right. So you really have to decide if this is what you want the rest of your life to be or you get stronger. Usually someone with an addiction will not seek help until that partner leaves. You know, once yeah. that, that stable partner leaves and they're left by themselves and they can say, wow, okay, so I guess I did choose alcohol over my partner and now what am I going to do with that? Right? So that's usually when they finally go and get help. Once the partner says, I'm done with this, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. So in terms of you, are there, do you, are there people that you've been unable to help because they do the first step, they come to you and they say, right, I want to deal with my stuff. And actually they're not ready or they don't, you know, they're, they're not in the place where. No, most people, steps. most yeah. people, when they come to me, they are making an investment time financially and personally. They right. know they are fed up. Uh, we call it same person, different face. They keep attracting that 
toxic partner over and over and can't figure out why. And it might have cost them financially like it did me. It might have cost their business or their reputation like it did me. And it's like, I would have done anything for help if it was out there. Yeah. It's like there was nobody that had answers for me. So by the time the lady or men come to me, they know. They're like, I want help. I want to get beyond this. I need to know what I'm doing. Because it's frustrating to not know what you don't know. And that's where I was. Do you think you would have stayed in that relationship longer had you not had the two girls? The first one, no. Okay. (laughs) Okay. No. um, It was the only reason it was very hard for me to leave is because I had my two daughters. I did not want to split up my family. I didn't want to be a single mom. Yes. But once, you know, the, the, uh, you know, ripping off my mother and not paying them back, um, making the business mistakes, signing deals behind my back. I had no enough. trust. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, one attorney, it's, it was so ironic. I had one Philadelphia entrepreneur of the year. We had a chocolate factory and I had us on television. I had us in the newspaper. I did all the marketing. I decorated these candy stores beautifully, like antique with velvet and lace. I had uh, big corporate clients like the Gold Nugget Casino and the Philadelphia Flyers. And so I had big sales, big clients, and he signed a deal behind my back for 17 <gasps> mall stores, which I never would have done because mall stores have high rent. Yes. And he said, well, you don't know what you're doing in business. So I decided, which, um, and then our business went under a year later. You know, no matter what I sold, it could not, you know, contain the rents and we lost everything, you know? So after that, I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) You know, you just can't trust their decisions when they're out. It's, you know, doing the wrong thing. Integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking. Right. So someone who lacks integrity and does that impulsivity behind their back. And he has come from childhood trauma himself. So, you know, and he was always trying to be the big shot, show his father he's good enough because his father always put him down verbally, emotionally. So that destroyed our marriage, uh, our life, you know, our reputation. And as soon as I got the award, the the man that gave it to me from the chamber was a a divorce attorney. I said, can I talk to you? And I told him the situation. He goes, oh my God, you got to get out of this. He goes, because hon, you're a winner. You know, you you know what you're doing when it comes to business. And I said, I do want to split up my family. He goes, well, this kind of behavior will always ruin you, you know. So I really felt at that point I had no choice. And it's like, I can make it on my own because I can trust myself, right? And my moves to make sure it's the right moves for me and my children. So it's not an easy decision to leave. No. But, you know, I know my many... listeners will recognize themselves in you. I know they will. I, it just <laughs> how many incidents do you go through before you yeah. say, I am better on my own? You know, my kids are better with, you know, with me being stable and knowing what direction I'm going. So that's why, you know, I couldn't get a loan for my model and talent business. I just opened with my first month's rent and went to work creating, you know, a a talent was my first book, a 250 page manual and, and teaching them what I knew from the model and talent industry and, you know, going from there. So, um, yeah. 
I mean, that's amazing. We've kind of touched on how, how I can recognize it in me or how, you know, the listeners can recognize it in themselves. But how can we recognize some of those behaviors in our own relationships now? Which, again, that, that goes to partnerships and as opposed to just focusing on my own. I now know what my childhood traumas were. I now right. know what to do. I'm now speaking to um, Rihanna and I'm mm-hmm. dealing with some of this stuff. How do I recognize those behaviors within my relationship now? Well, you know, again, it's the lack of integrity, lack of trust. If your partner is cheating, if your partner is jealous and trying to control you and there's no reason they should be because you're acting out of integrity, right? Or their impulsivity is ruining you as a couple. So you'll see all kinds of toxic behavior or dysfunction patterns, uh, addiction, and it usually comes out. These, these relationships, this is what's the tricky part. They're usually love bombing you in the beginning, right? right? You'll hear ladies say, oh my gosh, I have the best guy. He loves me. He calls and texts me all the time. He brings me gifts. You know, it's really a great beginning. And then they become very passionate. Uh, one of the warning signs is they ask you to get married very early on, within three months of the relationship. Say they, they want you to move in. They want you to marry. Um, and the studies show four months to one year or something major happens. So living together, getting engaged, married, or having a child are four major transitions in life. That's usually when you'll see some behaviors coming out. Like they might've drank a little bit in the beginning. Now they're drinking more or, you know, there's just these behaviors coming out and getting worse when the relationship gets more committed. You might be planning a wedding and then you find out your partner cheats on you. Something like that. That's, you know, they're, they're sabotaging the relationship in some yeah. way. And it's very confusing because there's so many signs that they love you. And then there's so many signs that they're sabotaging and ruining the relationship at the same time. Because that's what happened with me. You know, they may overuse alcohol, drugs, or want sex to soothe their anxiety, they may use humor or charm to manipulate you um, and the relationship. They might start demanding money things like, I want us to invest in this or I need money for that. You don't agree with those decisions. Um, you might see overeating, overspending, overworking, um, or you uncover the secret life, something, you know, lying, conning behavior. Um, and if you get into a fight, you'll see patterns like they always blame you. They can't apologize. There's no remorse for the wrongdoings. Yes. So mm-hmm. is there any way to get past that? Or is it a case of each person has to work their own stuff out and then, you know, your next relationship will be better? Yeah. When I have a couple come to me, it's usually a repetitive pattern that keeps getting them in trouble. Mm. Um, so I have to work with them individually first to get to the base of the individual childhood traumas. Then I have to see how this is playing out in their coupled relationship. Then I have to educate the other partner about the traumas of the partner A has to know partner B's and vice versa. Then we have to teach them new communication skills that when something comes up, you know, it's like, oh, hon, were you triggered by me doing that? Or right. say, wow, hon, I'm sorry, that came up from me feeling not good enough. I shouldn't be jealous. You've given no reason for me to be jealous. Mm-hmm. So people are starting to recognize it's making the unconscious consciously aware yes. and having accountability to it and changing the patterns. And with practice, 
they become a whole different relationship. Wow. Totally different. And where one couple might have like taken things personally, the couple, let's say couple, person A should have said, that's my fault. I own that. I shouldn't have put that on you. And partner B is always feeling like it's their fault. And it's not. It's partner A needing to own their own behavior. Yes. You know, so it's, it's a whole new recognition for the couples. And then what I do for my singles they need to become successful singles first before going out to date. They shouldn't be looking for someone to rescue them financially or emotionally. Um, if their kids are acting up, they have to heal that. You know, maybe their kids came from the toxic relationship of mom and dad. There was a divorce. The kids are now angry at mom. She's got to heal that before going out yeah. to date because no man wants to come into a toxic family. Yeah. So we have to look at everything what's going on for that single clean up all their life areas. If she hates her career, getting her into something she loves um, so that her life is happy, you know, yeah. and she is thriving on her own. And then that's the best time to attract a partner into your life at that point. I, I think it's amazing that you, um, you know, that you deal with singles as well as couples, because when people hear, oh, she deals with love and relationships, um, I had I had another coach on recently who was talking about a completely different area of of relationship, mm -hmm. but we kind of touched on the fact that it's important to identify that a relationship can be with yourself as well, you That's know. Right. And so the fact that you deal with people who are single as well as the couples, as well as you know, looking at the relationship between me and a pair, my parent or me and my child or, or whatever, me and my career is so important for people to understand because yeah. love is much bigger. And even the way we love our romantic partner is impacted by much more than just our romantic love for them. It's impacted right. by everything, right? Yes. And in my, the majority of my clients are women successful in business, but struggle in love. That's right. the majority. My single women is who I work with. Um, but I do also have couples. And like I said, straight and LGBT as well. But we have to teach them what is an emotionally healthy relationship? What does it look like? Because most of us weren't modeled it, nor were we taught what it looks like. And most people are falling in love due to chemistry. Right. And you'll see that on these love profiles all the time, especially for men. Well, there must be chemistry. If we have that, we'll go from there. No, the important thing is what's on the inside. Who is that person? What is their character? And the chemistry is the icing on the cake. Without the interior qualities, what's on the inside of the person, the, the icing just melts. It's not going to last. Yeah. So you don't fall in love with chemistry. We've been taught wrong all along from our fairy tales, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, our romance novels and movies. Um, we really should not just fall in love by chemistry alone. It's very important. Wow. And that, that is something that I feel everyone, all my listeners, everybody would need to hear and understand. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. So let me ask you, how can we, once we've, recognized and removed the toxicity toxic i can't say the word now. toxicity thank you <laughs> uh -huh. how can someone heal past this pain um well again if it, it's a single person it's 
easier. I usually recommend that they don't date until we get beyond the trauma piece. That is the very first thing that we work on, getting you beyond the trauma, making your unconscious consciously aware. So, and then once you learn what you're doing that is sabotaging you in life, love, or business, then we make it uh, consciously aware. And we go step by step into what is the life that you desire? What is it, your dreams that you want to come to pass? Where right. are you sabotaging yourself there? So as we go along, you know, we, we recognize it. So you can't change what you don't understand. Um, and Dr. Phil here says you can't change what you don't acknowledge. So it's first you have to understand it and then acknowledge it's been happening. Then we start changing it. So there's, uh, I do everything holistic, mind, body, and spirit. There's definitely a spiritual component to this because you need spirituality to help you with the healing and when difficult transitions come your way. They don't shake you anymore when you have a sense of faith. Mm -hmm. um, so it's learning to be, um, be what you want to attract, you know, be emotionally healthy. Um, you know, looking at the career, if you don't, if you're not happy where you are, what is it that you want? And then me guiding you to getting what you want. Um, the parenting skills, working with your kids, um, being more authentic, apologizing to them um, for the tough time they've been through, acknowledging mm -hmm. that. If you brought a toxic boyfriend into your household for six years and he was hard on the kids, of course the kids are going to be mad at you. Yeah. You know, um, so you, we have a lot to work through, but everybody's story is so individualized in how I help them. And I usually do mostly one-on-one. -on -one. I do have some women's groups, but um, most people want that one-to-one -one attention to help them with exactly what they've been struggling with. So 50% is the life portion, and then 50% is education in love, dating, and relationships. You know, what is the emotionally healthy relationship? What does it look like when you're out there dating? What questions should you be asking? And my clients know right away, we call them one and dones, just by asking some innocent questions. Uh, you'd walk away saying, nope, not for me, next. <laughs> red flags, <laughs> you know? red flags. And you yeah. know why, right? Yeah. And it gives you confidence in dating. You're not just flying by the seat of your pants anymore, hoping, you know, for the next one to work. You know, it's a numbers game and um, you are choosing, you are becoming the chooser. We call it conscious dating and knowing what you want, knowing your requirements, wants, needs, your emotional needs, your functional needs, um, and not settling for less. We say we'd rather be single than settle in, in our um, thing, because if you choose the wrong person, it could really devastate you in many ways, right? Yeah. So you take your time and you date a lot and you know exactly what you're looking for, wow. both what's good and what's not good. Yeah. So that knowledge is... is the power in action, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So on average, or is there an average for the amount of time this can take, or does it strictly depend on the level of severity of your trauma? Yeah, um, what p people usually do, I have several assessments that they'll do, five different assessments, and then I work with them for an hour, what's coming up for them and how the severity levels are. And then I can make a recommendation on what I think that they need. And I have four months or six month programs uh, the notebook's 150 pages. So I dive very deep into the, right. the research that I found. And then my live and love books are part of the program as well. So they're reading that while we're not working on the workbook. 
And um, so we have, you know, one-on-one coaching sessions. I work with people around the world, you know, right on Skype. It makes it real simple. And, um, you know, from what they write down, it's kind of a form of bibliotherapy, you know, what they write down on the worksheets and I, they give it to me, then I see what's coming up for them. And then we have a session around that. So it's very, very individualized. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more question about the, the general relationship thing, because I really want to talk about your books and the app and the way that you virtually support people. So my last question in terms of, you know, what you generally do is what, in your opinion, would you say an emotionally healthy, evolved relationship actually looks like? Okay, so there's a lot of different things I use to describe it from my research. That's section four of my love book, Love Beyond Your Dreams. But just a few things. Um, Both partners, the couple lives this concept of it's you and me against the world. In other words, you make each other number one and people make a big mistake thinking the kids are number one. No, because if you only focus on your kids by the time they're going off to college, the marriage falls apart. (laughs) So you have to keep your partner number one and then the couple strong, making the family strong. So they really learn about that. And then I use a lot of balanced triangles, equilateral triangles. So the one for a couple is me, you, and us. So you need your individual time. That could be your job, plus your yoga class, plus time with your girlfriends. And he needs that as well. But your us line has to be equally as long. So if you happen to be married to a man that's out every Friday night with the boys and Sunday it's all day football and he may date you once or twice a month, well, then he's shortening the us leg and the marriage is going to feel apart, fall apart. You're not going to feel appreciated. So you have to make time for your partner. You always have to see if the balance is there. Um, the third one, be what you want to attract. You know, if you want a financially secure partner, be that yourself. Get that area of your life together before dating, right? So you want to be the best you that you can be, and then you're looking for that equal partner when you're out there, and you won't settle for less. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to do that. That your uh, five to six top requirements are met. So um, requirements are things that you don't want to negotiate on. So I work with younger people as well. So if I have a girl in the 28 to 32 age range, she definitely tells me she wants marriage and a child. That's one of the first dates she's the questions on her date she's going to ask, you know, or even on the phone. If there's a phone call before the date, are you a man that sees yourself as wanting to be married and being a dad? If they say, well, I don't know. Yeah, I'll probably marry one day. As far as being a dad, mm, I'm not sure. That answer is a no. because the men that because I've worked with men they're like I definitely want to be a dad that if I'm not a father I see that as really missing in my life so you know you need to identify what are the requirements they're non-negotiable you know one for me was always someone without an addiction I will never tolerate an addiction in my life Right. right so what are your requirements and we go through them and you're really solid on them and you know what you're looking for if you don't get them, it's a deal breaker for you. And you have to understand um, what, for instance, an addiction really means, because an, a, traditionally, in a, a tradi- like you said earlier, traditionally, an addiction is drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, that kind of thing. But actually, right. an addiction can be to your own ego, you know? So if this person's yeah. a narcissist and they cannot think of yourself 
think of you outside of themselves even for a second that's an addiction to themselves you know yeah that's just narcissistic self you know narcissism and selfishness you know that they can't look beyond themselves they don't consider somebody else's feelings um if someone's ghosting you as you're dating don't take it on yourself say good i'm glad i found out earlier next you know you want to know sooner than later that that's their behavior which is not appropriate and not acceptable Mm -hmm. So they're not for you. They disqualified themselves. So many people take that kind of behavior personally. It's like, no, you know, if you don't want to date someone, you'd be a stand up person and say, you know, I think you're lovely. I just don't think we're a match. Good luck in your search. Done. Right. How hard is that? You know. So if you're listening, don't ghost anyone. Don't do anything to someone else. You wouldn't want back done to you. Right. Be a stand up person. And even if you don't think they're your type, just tell them in a kind and loving way. You know, so, um, yeah. And then also for those that are a little bit older, you want to have a certain vision for your future. I was someone living in New Jersey and I definitely did not want cold weather. I knew I was moving to Florida. So mm-hmm. as I was dating at that time, it's like, I'm moving to Florida. People would say, well, no, I'll change your mind. If you, you know, fall in love yeah. with me, you'll stay here. And it's like, I am moving I really to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the month and date that I'm moving. So this is important to me. So no, we can be friends, but just no, I'm not going to enter into a serious relationship. So they have to be on the same page as you. Like I love world travel. I would not be with somebody who just wants to be in a camper and go around the U.S. Right. Wrong person for me. So what is it that you love and you want in your life? What is the vision of your life? And that person has to fit in there. And another one that's really important is faith-based Um, The studies show two faith-based people make the best, the happiest, and longest relationships. So are you in tune with your own spirituality? And is that somebody um, that you're looking to date also have some spiritual foundation? Wow. And And that doesn't mean that you're not talking about Christianity. You're talking about faith. Faith of any kind. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you have someone that's faith-based and you share this, because people who are more faith-based live more in integrity. I mean, the golden rule that all higher books will teach is do unto your fellow people as you would want done to you. Right. So it's a level of integrity and kindness and character. So this is why they're saying, you know, faith-based relationships make the most successful ones. Right. So onto your app how what can your app do for me and how can this help me to live the life you kind of you know you teach us sure the app is called lessons in life and love on the go and it is free and once you download it's a cute little deal you can easily hear my podcasts on there i have 62 podcasts released now my podcast is called lessons in life and love and um but you can get it right on the app so it's easy if you're waiting in line for something or you're driving in their car and you want to get a lesson in while you're driving um it also has my youtube channel i think i now have 150 videos on my youtube channel so you can easily access that right there um and then you can reach me there are free love tests on there so you can see if you have childhood trauma um, and you also can identify if your partner has red flags right from the app. So there's a lot of cool things. You can sign up to be part of my mailing list right there where I always say what I'm doing for free. Um, 
you know, whether I'm on a podcast as a guest or on a relationship summit, an educational webinar I might be doing, the mailing list or my Facebook page, Coach Rihanna Milne, will always post everything that I'm doing. So I try to get the word out to my tribe the best that I can that yeah. I'm doing these things. And of course, Shay, your shows will be announced in all those different areas. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> that I'll be coming up on um, you know, this show. So that way it helps not only me, but the people who are so good to sponsor me and help get this message out about yes. have, how to have more loving, emotionally healthy relationships. Absolutely. And I want the listeners to know that, guys, the app is in royal purple. So if there's ever been a reason to go and download this app, it's in that that kind of empowering color that, you know, color experts always speak about. So I just want you to know, because I'm looking at it right now, I've, I've downloaded it. You've got more information about it on your website. Yes. And yeah, it just... The website has a lot of free gifts there. It uh, It's just my name, RihannaMilne.com. Right at the top corner, you say, see, take the free love test. So there's... Plenty yes. of, uh, yes, the love test. There's four of them in there. That's going to really open your eyes to a lot of different information. Then if you wanted to access me, uh, there's a way you can do that at a very highly discounted rate to get me to analyze your tests for you and meet with you through Skype. Um, but there's also free book chapter downloads of both Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams. And you can direct access the app and the podcast as well from there. Absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. And also, I will also say, because I mean, someone has to blow your trumpet. You can't, if you're always blowing your own, it becomes difficult. <laughs> People are like, yeah, right. But it says expert advisor as seen on Fox, ABC, CBS, NBC and eHarmony. So you have a lot of kind of accolades behind you. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I love you it. know, I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to get the word out. So however I need to do that. I think one of my uh, most challenging but rewarding appearance was right after 9-11 when the planes hit our World Trade Center. I was brought onto yeah. ABC News as a trauma expert to help people understand how to deal with a shock, how to help their children deal with a shock. What do they say? Um, and of course I'm a mom and I was in shock and they yeah. called me to say, can you come over right now? And I said, yes, I have a Royal blue suit on that'll look good on camera. I'll come right over. Yes. And then they brought me on three more times after that. So I think, you know, that was the most purposeful, um, appearance I had to try and help the people in my community through that type of trauma. Absolutely. And those things live on forever. You know, yeah. uh, 9-11 isn't something that's going to go away in our memories. And so when you go and speak on these things, people are going to be playing those clips, even in 2019, 2024, 20, you know, it, it yeah. goes on forever. And so it's really important that what you put out there is mm -hmm. solid, valid and helpful and i'm sure everything you are i mean just based on this conversation i'm sure everything you're doing is exactly all of those things thank you so, and to shay if your listeners want more information on childhood trauma i created a free ebook that goes much deeper into i was just it. coming to the books you're good okay at this. <laughs> the ebook that's free too and that's at have the love you deserve.com 
have lovedeserve.com. Yeah. Okay, so that's different to um, Love Beyond Your Dreams and Live Beyond Your Dreams. Yeah. So you've that, got another book. Excellent. That's just an ebook. That's uh, like probably about 12 pages. It goes a little bit deeper into the childhood trauma piece. Until I can finish my book on trauma, I'm 100 pages in. Yeah. I've, I've got to finish that one off. But at least the ebook is there that can help you understand childhood trauma a little bit more. And say that, say that web address for me again, please. It said have the love you deserve.com. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to that address? <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to skip on to our, the, I normally do a couple of different things on the podcast. And one, two of the things I want to make sure I do with you are the quick fire round, just because it's a bit of fun. We talk okay. about deep, deep things and then we want to have a kind of, you know, offload session so it's just a bit of fun and then we're going to get onto something called letter to yourself don't worry it's not daunting it's not very long okay but okay. It, it tends to be very powerful for the listeners so quick fire i've got i think there are about 15 or 16 questions and just say whatever comes to your mind obviously truthful okay but <laughs> okay great so what is your favorite drink I usually like Chardonnay at sunset Oh, <laughs> at the oh end uh, on a weekend. I work pretty hard during the week. So down in Florida, I'm out in the sun. I'd love to sit by the water and have a cold glass of Chardonnay wine. Oh, that's amazing. That sounds blissful. I love it. <laughs> have you read any books apart from your own <laughs> that, have cha- that's cha- that have changed your life? Many, many books. I usually have two or three books going at one time. I use, read a lot um, from Ernest Holmes, okay. uh, which is called Science of Mind. I'm reading one right now called Creative Mind and Success. Um, and I'm reading a right in the middle of a time publication called The Science of Happiness. Um, what's the co-title? Because it's sitting right here in front of me. New Discoveries <laughs> for a More Joyful Life. And Excellent. I'm always reading materials that I can do an article on or Facebook live or summary on. So I always read factual information. Fantastic. And I'm assuming this isn't part of the quick fire, but I'm assuming you watch that type of content as well. Yeah. I love biographies um, because it really talks about how people re- reach success. There was one that I loved. I've watched recently on Quincy Jones. Who Yes. Is it my to watch? Oh, you have to see it. It will really clearly show you the dynamic of childhood trauma. He was very poor. Both parents um, were drug addicts. He had to go live with the grandmother. Uh, They said for a couple of days, they wouldn't eat. If she caught a rat, that was dinner. Um, So you can see all the 10 traumas, not all of them, but many of them lined up coming from poverty, dangerous neighborhoods, um, verbal, you know, things and just how he grew up. And then at the end, they asked the question, going through all these awards and accolades, who was a wonderful man. Is there anything you failed at? He goes, yes, love relationships. And I'm Do you like, know what? This Bingo. is really funny. That's one of my quick fire questions to you. Have you ever failed at anything? And what did you learn? That is so surreal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's a great example. Another couple biographies, uh, the one on Tiger Woods. Uh, the golfer, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. He came from childhood trauma as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I will jump ahead to that question then, and then I'll go back to the other shorter ones. But have you ever failed at anything? And what did you learn? 
Um, I, I guess I don't. My mindset for success had started in my early 20s when I uh, discovered spirituality. I started with the Course of Miracles and really like Buddhism. So as I became an adult, I really didn't look at it as failure. You don't right. look at, you know, you look at lessons learned um, and then taking the good from the bad. I mean, in life, in Buddhism, they call it the earth school. We're supposed to be challenged. So it doesn't, you don't really look at your life as failure in any way. You look at it as growth period. So no, I can't think of anything called failure. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love yeah. it so much. Um, this is quite a difficult one. And I, I ask most people this one and they're like, what do you mean? But I like, I like what it does to people when I ask it. So I'm going to ask, okay. what do you want? What do I want now? Well, this is it. See? In my <laughs> life go, now huh? or my yeah, future? Just, I mean, answer however you see fit. Okay. <laughs> um, I feel very blessed in my life. I'm doing work I absolutely love and I'm passionate about. I do travel the world now. I've taken that goal and even up the amp on that as I'm, I cross 60 years old. Um, I guess I'm just, the next step that I'm looking to is, um, you know, acquiring some real estate, some rentals. I think that would be good for my retirement and just enjoying life. I'm living in, the, in paradise. I'm so glad I'm here in Florida. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. um, I have very wonderful friends, amazing accomplished daughters, adorable grandsons with two coming on the way. I mean, I just feel very blessed about my life. I want the babies to be born healthy, Alexi to be healthy with delivery, just things like that. I want what's good for my girls and my clients healing. I always want my clients to heal and find healthy, amazing love. You know, so I do meditate every day. I always keep that prayer going every day for my clients' healing and happiness. Mm -hmm. So just seeing their testimonial stories and seeing how their lives have changed gives me great happiness and purpose in my life. You see, look at that amazing answer. And if I'd been too prescriptive, <laughs> you wouldn't have been able to give me that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So a couple more questions. What, are you a PC or a Mac person? Am I a what person? A PC or a Mac? Oh, no, PC. And my girls talked me into a Mac and I Ooh. just cannot get it. I am like, I'm dedicated to something. Once I find something that works, I stick with it. <laughs> so I really do like HPs. It's quick, it's simple. And I fly around on this computer. I'm putting out so much content. I just need it quick and easy. So you have to remember, like when I had the model and talent company, we didn't have computers for the first couple of years. Wow. So when one came out, it was the size of a suitcase and the bottom <laughs> came off of it. And that was the keyboard. And the little screen was in the bottom of this machine. Um, so the first thing that came out was HP, wow. right? So you get used to what you learn on and, and you kind of just stay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us one thing about you that we wouldn't know. This is a fun one. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I won a modeling scholarship at 12 years old, right? Yeah. And then I auditioned, I'm from Philadelphia and there was this wonderful radio station. This is before FM. Oh my God, I sound so ancient. <laughs> but it was called WFIL Radio. And they had a group of models called Boss Chicks. And uh, we worked with all the celebrities in the concerts coming into town. 
and I auditioned over 200 girls. They chose 10 and I was one of them and you were supposed to be 16. I was only 14, but I did tell the man that hired me right after he says, well, don't tell anybody because you're like our top two. We adore you. We think you're going to be great. So by 16, I was doing a lot of the top events. And one of my favorites um, was doing dancing the entire encore with Freddie Mercury of Queen at the Night of the wow. Opera concert at the Tower Theater. So it was supposed to be for two songs. He was so happy with the, the crowd going crazy. I said, if you pull me out to dance, I'm going to do triple spins and come down and go down your chest and throw back my hair. And he goes, really? <laughs> you know, because I was a disco dance queen. I could dance wow. very, very well. I still disco dance. So he did choose me out of the, the team. And I was running the team that night. And there was other girls. I said, you can choose the other ones. That's all right. They're kind of new. That would really, you know, get them happy. I said, but if you choose me, you better be careful, <laughs> you know. And he did. And the crowd went crazy. And that was a great time. There was, of course, the after party. We partied all night with them. Um, so that was really memorable. Um, another thing, the tramps, the group of tramps partied in my house in Philadelphia. Um, so I had a lot of fun as a teenager working with uh, a lot of entertainers. It sounds like you need to write your own biography. Like, <laughs> Well, Live Beyond Your Dreams has a lot of my story in it. Excellent. Yeah. And when I was challenged, you know, how I got beyond it. And that's, that's why it teaches the mindset for success. Yeah. You okay, know, when two you're more determined questions. that no one's going to bring you down, like your success is your best revenge. That's yes. it. Yeah. Two more questions. Mm -hmm. um, complete this sentence. Your worst days consist of? Toxic men. <laughs> <laughs> that were in I want my to life clap. <laughs> in the past. Yeah, those were my worst days. Everything yeah. else was fabulous. And just the, the, the deceit and the toxic behavior that uh, ruined my life, my business, my reputation because of their lack of integrity. You know, yes. that any toxic human in your space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So now I'm very much more protective, you know. Excellent. Your best days consist of? Times with my daughters. We used to do adventure days. That was really fun. Um, quality time with the kids, uh, traveling the world, uh, mixing with cultures. I was recently in Russia in September. Uh, in December, I was in Bali and Bangkok and Singapore. So, and going to Japan and China in June. So I just adore world travel, meeting people from all over the world and learning about their culture and their foods and exploring the history that we just don't have here in the US. Yeah. So those are my favorite memories. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. Okay. Mm -hmm. Finally, before we start to wrap up and you can tell people where they can find you, I would love for you to do a letter to yourself. So I get all of my, um, the people that come onto the podcast and onto my radio show, I get everybody to do this. Um, okay. The instructions are simple. You're writing a letter verbally obviously either to your past or your future self what does it say the only rules are you start your letter there Rihanna and <laughs> okay. you end it however you want so you sign off with whatever you would tell yourself so who who would it be to your okay. past or your future self I'll do it right now today because I meditate okay. every day and I'm, you know the last part is uh you ask a question God what do you want me to know 
and it's your inner voice coming up, your best self, your evolved self. So I'll just, because I'm so used to doing this. Yeah. Um, dear Rihanna, you did good, kid. <laughs> um, you've changed a lot of lives. You've helped a lot of people. You've gotten out of a lot of tough situations, and I'm very proud of you. Um, you're a good soul, a great mom, wonderful partner, and a great friend. Um, you've inspired many with your written words and your spoken words, and um, you are living your purpose in this world. And you deserve the best. Love God. <laughs> That's how I would sign off. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that so much. It's just so, I love to hear people speaking about themselves in these terms. And what I tend to find is that no matter how down on yourself you are, no matter what we're talking about, I, I interviewed a friend about lost loss recently. And actually today is the anniversary of the day of a car crash that took four of her loved oh, ones away. Oh no. And yeah, I got her to do a letter to herself. And it's, there's always these gems, positive nuggets coming through, patting yourself on the back or acknowledging the greatness that you are. So thank you so much for that. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. So in wrapping up, can you tell me where people can find you? Yeah, the best place I think is through my website, rihannamilne.com. And my Facebook page is the one I'm most uh, active on, which is Coach Rihanna Milne. And if you want something a little bit more active, interactive, uh, my Facebook page, A-C-O-A, which stands for Anyone Can Overcome Abuse, Abusive Childhood or Love Trauma. And I'm recently doing motivational midweek Wednesdays, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, on there where I come on, I give a couple motivational readings and then I answer questions from anybody. So that one's a little bit more interactive. Um, and that's it, I guess through my website, my Facebook page, that's where I'm most active. My podcast, of course, Lessons in Life and Love. You know, you Excellent. can hear that every week. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Do you have any shout outs? Um, to my clients, I love and adore you. Keep growing, keep learning, keep... Uh, having the guts it takes to overcome uh, heartache and pain. I love and adore you. Um, always to my daughters and to my grandsons, you are my world and my life, my partner. Yeah. Oh, so lovely. Um, <laughs> do you have a message to my listeners? Yes, that really, um, don't wait. If you're suffering and you've identified with any of this messages on past childhood or love trauma do get help for yourselves now is the time to create that life you really desire and to have the love that you deserve don't wait on that because when you learn this technique it lasts for the rest of your life you're going to live an amazing life that you look back like i'm 62 and you just smile and say you did good kid <laughs> so do what you need to do to have that sense of happiness and fulfillment it's so worth it you're worth oh, it. I love that. And then finally, <laughs> is there anything you wish to add? I guess that's it, Shay. Thank you so much for sharing in my mission of changing the way the world loves. If everyone can understand about their own childhood traumas and work on them and be more consciously aware of how they might be hurting others or showing up in their relationships and in the world, 
that would do a whole lot to help change the world, right? So coast to coast, you're in UK and I'm in US. Uh-huh. You know, I appreciate everybody in between listening and hopefully, you know, these messages will go forward. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. This has been a Dream Days Experience production.